everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of uh, Rated M for McPhail, a podcast about cousins who like movies. It's <laughs> pretty much it. Um, I'm Erin. <laughs> I'm Audrey. And like I said, we are cousins who like movies. So we have some ideas of what we want to talk about, mostly movies that bring us uh, nostalgia and joy. Just trying to preserve the feelings of like warmth and glad tidings before the darkness that will come. That's pretty much it. Welcome. Enjoy. Welcome. Welcome. Um, today we are going to be talking about the seminal classic film, uh, Heavyweights, starring Ben Stiller. Uh, well, it's like featuring Ben Stiller, right? Like he has a weird credit in this movie. He's like, it's like and Ben Stiller as. Yeah, and, well, we'll get into Ben Stiller's feelings about this movie later, but it's definitely a weird type of situation, because he's clearly the star of the film, but I don't know if he's happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Great. Um, So, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, which, um, it seems like maybe you just missed the boat. Some of you just don't even see it, because I feel like it will be lost. It's definitely one of those movies that, like, if you saw it when you were little, it's amazing still. But if you see it as an adult, and <laughs> without no. any context, you probably will not like it. No, you know what? <laughs> Heavyweights is great. I think if you haven't watched it, like, go watch it now. We'll wait. And... <laughs> yeah, we'll just wait here for, like, an hour and a half, or yeah. an hour and 20 minutes, however long of the movie. Yeah. Um, we'll talk amongst it's basically yourselves. the story... Yeah, we'll just talk about Rogue One. <laughs> TBT. We have a lot of... <laughs> anyway. Um, but it's a story of a small boy, well, actually a large boy, who gets sent to fat camp. <laughs> <laughs> the fat camp gets taken over by a crazy fitness guru who's played by Ben Stiller. So, so it's the kids, it's classic kids versus adults 90s movie setup. <laughs> and right off the bat, I feel like you can already tell how different the 90s are from now because the idea of in 2017 making a movie about a bunch of fat preteens and it's basically just like haha they're fat they like candy they have deli meats hidden in their cabin is <laughs> like maybe yeah we wouldn't be able to do that today the comedy in this movie is like like fat jokes um like jokes about foreigners <laughs> like, people being different, and, like, physical violence and bullying. Yeah. Celebrated. They're they're all celebrated. The 90s comedies. But I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it this time. It felt, like, it felt very soothing to watch. Yeah, Um, I mean, this was a movie that you're, you were, we were talking about this, but you were probably a little bit on the younger edge of this. You were, like, probably maybe in your twos or threes when this movie came out. So yeah, um, in my twos. Yeah, you you were you were a little guy, but yeah, we all watched this movie a lot in 1995. It was a classic, and it was frequently quoted around our households. Yeah, I believe I've seen it, but I remember more of you guys quoting it, like the the body system. Like I only hear it in like you and Marissa, Joey, like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in that Going sort back. of, like, wow, are they ever going to stop, like, quoting this movie so I haven't seen before? Well, I probably have seen it, but it's probably one of those situations where, like, you guys maybe watch this, and then I made you watch, like, Anastasia, because I was, like, three. Look, Anastasia's <laughs> a great this movie. one I can remember as well as, I mean, it is a great movie, 
But it's interesting to me that I didn't really retain any of this movie, but I retained, like, Liar Liar, which you also made me watch when I was, like, three. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an important coming-of-age film for any toddler. And, yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't make a small child watch that movie. I don't know. It's great. It's great. We'll do that. We'll do that on a later podcast episode. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right, so let's just go through this. Um, Right off the bat... The opening scene is, like, school ending. And I feel like this is a common scene in, like, kids' movies or teen movies. It's, like, last day of school, and everyone, like, throws paper in the air, and it's such a, like, recognizable scene. But I have never, in real life, had that type of last day of school experience where everyone just, like, made a mess. No, and they trash that school. (laughs) Yeah, I... Yeah, like, those poor janitors. It's, yeah, I feel like if we had ever done that, our teachers would have just made us stay. They would have been like, okay, well, you're going to be in school for another 20 minutes cleaning up everything that you just destroyed. I feel like it's sort of in a similar vein to a lot of prom scenes in movies where they're, like, spiking the punch and, like, all this cool stuff and it's just, it doesn't really happen like that. It's not like that way. Yeah. But I wonder where that idea came from of, like, last day of school and throw all this paper in the air and, like, party in the hallways. Like, how did that come about? Like, what is the first instance of that? I don't know. (laughs) Further research is required for this. Um, Yeah, I feel like we were all more you know, sort of demoralized. We were, like, survivors, and we just kind of, like, staggered out of school at the end of the year. Especially in middle school. Like, these these are not elementary school kids where they're like, yay! It's These are preteens who are just, like... Yeah, who are, like, too cool. Um, It also reminded me a little bit in the beginning when when, um, the main kid, Jerry, right? Um, Yep. When he, like, finds out he's going to fat camp and his, his, like, summer is ruined, it reminded me of another classic summer being ruined movie recess schools out (laughs) a animated movie about one boy summer being ruined by the government of course anyway um the guy who like comes to sell them on the camp is also the counselor from holes yeah tim blake nelson uh yeah He's got a... Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, and, and Jeffrey Tambor is the dad, and there are actually a lot of, like, Emmy surprisingly... Winner, Jeffrey Tambor? <laughs> <laughs> yep, the same. Yeah, both Ben Stiller's parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> and such a Jerry. delight. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so the Bushkins, uh, they're the previous owners of Camp Hope, which is the name of the camp, And they've made some unwise decisions in their ownership of the camp, which leads to them losing the camp and having to file Chapter 9 bankruptcy. And um, that's where Ben Stiller, as Tony Perkis, takes over. Um, Should we talk a little bit about the Bushkins and how um, terrible their running of the camp was? Because I feel like we had some thoughts about that. Uh, Yeah, maybe. We should probably talk about that. Because, like, first of all, there are no rules at this camp, evidently. No. This is a a camp where kids go, allegedly, to, like, lose weight, and yet every kid has smuggled in food. Like, was there any type of measurement of, like, success? Like, did kids ever lose weight that went to this camp? If so, how were they still operating as a quote-unquote fat camp? Like, it's cool if you're going to just, like, run a camp, but then, like, why call it a fat camp if you're not actually accomplishing that goal, you know? Well, and also, it seemed like there were, like, three counselors for, like, hundreds of kids. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of issues with that. I also am really concerned about the fact that Pat, um, 
the the heavy counselor, is in their Camp Hope promotional video. And he's been going to that camp since he was 10 years old, and he's still a fairly large individual. So, like, you're not (laughs) maybe selling yourself. (laughs) Yeah, he's just someone who's, you know, it clearly hasn't worked for him, but we'll we'll put him in the video because I don't know. But he he had a lot of fun, which is fine. Like, have fun at summer camp, but don't be like, you're going to come here and lose weight because that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if it's, like, to make you feel better and, like, more self-confident, you know, then, then that's fine, too. But, like, if they're if they're trying to market it as something that's supposed to be weight loss, then um, Tony Perkins might have had the better, the better strategy. Which, okay, I also don't like super understand his his goal i mean his goal is to make like an infomercial like the most successful infomercial i think he wants to make like a video series like you remember those things they were like sort of rectangular and uh, little videotapes um like a series of those yeah i think i can recall yeah that would be i don't know really popular like Richard Simmons, like that type of stuff, but for like little, oh, oh. little, little yeah, fat yeah. kids. And I think he's just trying to make a successful series of videos that he can sell. I don't think his end game is ever to actually like run a summer camp for kids. And it's yeah, yeah to I, exploit the kids who are already there at camp. <laughs> yeah, for his benefit. I also this was something that I I didn't remember from my childhood but watching this again I really loved his introduction scene where he's talking to them and he's just like yeah having been privately tutored tutored I'm looking forward to interacting with children for the first time like even as a child he had no experience with other children so um I enjoyed that yeah I like that he just keeps like dropping lines about his like tragic childhood (laughs) there's a couple moments like that where he's like before this like yeah oh my god yeah so this is also um looking back this is like ben stiller's performance is like a precursor to like white goodman in dodgeball oh yeah they are very similar and both of us with fitness like he's a little like creepier i guess in dodgeball maybe because it's not like all adults and he couldn't be like (laughs) that i mean he was creepy as tony perkins but um, there's definitely a goofier element to him, I think. I think they might actually be the same person. Like, I think there's room for them to oh, just... Oh, you think so? This is, there's a shared universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while I mean it's a fitness theme, Average Joe's <laughs> is kind of like where all the kids from heavyweights would go when they're adults, maybe, and trying to lose some weight. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So, yeah. I think they might be the same person. Yeah, but there, there should. But then, when I guess in between is when he like swells in weight again. Because well, you know the beginning of dodgeball and the end of dodgeball when he's like super fat. Yeah, well, he, um, maybe that that was brought on by the trauma from heavyweight. Yeah, having having the devastation of not succeeding in his dreams, and then also you know being like held hostage in a, like a makeshift prison <laughs> like a cell. Coop. Yeah. That was electrocuted? Yeah, like <laughs> Yeah. I feel like everyone in this movie is a secret psychopath who just knows, like, deep methods of torture. Yeah. And like, how to cause, like, physical pain. 11-year-olds should not know how to make electric fences. And, you know... Right, or, like, like traps in the woods. Yeah. 
And also, like, this camp seems like it would probably have been sued a lot of times, just based on the stuff that they had at their camp. Like, the blob does not seem safe. And... The blob is in no way safe. Like, that would be, as a former camp counselor, like, I would hate to take kids on the blob because you know people just get injured every single day on it. Like, there's, like, for whatever, however many fun jumps, there's probably, like, a thousand more not fun jumps where someone gets, like, a bloody nose or, like, strains their wrist or just, like, twists their ankle or, or like, gets smacked in the face with it. Like, yeah. no end to the physical danger of the blob. <laughs> Yeah, and I think just having, like, the go-karts available for kids, it, it seemed like at they would have just had free time. time. Like, yeah. how... It's so bad. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was a good camp. Like, as sweet as the Bushkins seem, like, this seemed like a pretty and terrible camp. as much camp. fun as everyone was having. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, who can blame Tony Perkins for trying to introduce some structure? He's the hero of the film. He really is. Um, So when they get to the camp, and they're in the cabin, and everyone's doing their, like, kid introductions, and, like, Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks is there, um, and they give Jerry the nickname Captain, and he's, like, upset about this, but that's a great nickname. Like, why would you be upset if someone nicknamed you Captain? Like, that's a dope nickname. Yeah, you're a fat (laughs) 11-year-old. All summer, and then they're like, aye, aye. Like, no, that's awesome. Embrace it. Just, like, lean into it. I guarantee that that child has had much worse nicknames in his young life than Captain. Like, that's... Yeah. That's legit. I mean, he's at a fat camp, like... That cast of kids is actually, like, pretty solid, considering, you know, how many of them there are and how, you know, the the quality of child acting can vary a lot. But they're actually pretty solid. Like, Sean Weiss yeah. is, uh, uh, what's his name? You just said Goldberg, so now I'm thinking Goldberg, but he's, um, Josh. That's all he is to me. Like, I didn't, oh, okay, quote-unquote Josh. Yeah. But, like, he's just Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. It's the same the same person. <laughs> and of course, Keenan Thompson as as Roy. Their their yeah. names. I hope Keenan never stops acting. No, definitely not. I was watching this again and their names, I was like thinking, okay, so there's Jerry, there's Roy. They're just all these like geriatric names. <laughs> I was just very amused yeah, by it. Yeah, these like old person names. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just sitting around like at a retirement community, not at an 11-year-old fat camp. Um, the real star of this movie, though, I think, is Paul Feig. <laughs> <laughs> he has some standout moments. He definitely does. Uh, he's the he's the camp counselor. He lost weight, though, right? That was like his. Thing. Yeah, like, he's he, he used, used to. Be fat yeah, really Tim skinny. used to be fat, and but the, why put him in the promotional video? It's not like he has an inspirational story yeah. to tell. Um, no, what? He clearly is having, like, the most fun out of any of the counselors. Like, he's so into it with the kids. Like, good camp counselor. Yeah. And... A plus plus, Paul Feig. <laughs> um, I also need to award a gold star to Kenny the cameraman because he is one of my favorite characters. And he just seems to be operating in a completely different universe from everyone else. Like, he just... Yeah, like the Adam Sandler movie universe. <laughs> Yeah, 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 one might say, one might go so far as to say the Adam Sandler universe, because he's in every single Adam Sandler movie ever made, is that a fact? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's a, that's a, an IMDb fact. Yeah, 
Well, he's awesome in, in this. I just really enjoy all of his little asides and how much he hates everyone that he's interacting with, but then still <laughs> takes part in all of their silly little shenanigans. Um, I like that the movie, the whole premise of the movie is like the fat camp, and yet in 2017, childhood obesity is an even bigger problem than it arguably was in 1995. Yeah. <laughs> so, depressing. Goal. Yeah, goal not accomplished. Um, there were a couple of lines that I wrote down, like specific quotes that I was like, oh, this is a, this is a 90s movie. Like, this are, these are 90s references. <laughs> um, well, specifically, just any time a character was in like a football or a hockey shirt, like in the beginning, Jerry's wearing like an Islanders t-shirt, <laughs> which I feel like people do not like talk about the NHL in any movies anymore. So I'm like, oh, this was the 90s, like people cared about hockey then. And then later, I forget who said it, but I wrote it down, but someone was like, oh yeah, I'm Deion Sanders. Like, haha, classic. <laughs> like, oh, you're a football player, but yeah. like now, now who's Deion? Just a guy on Fox Sunday morning or whatever. I don't know if he's on Fox anymore, but... And then, of course, Ugh. the, like, you're gonna cave, like, the Bills in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Which is just hurtful. Which is very... <laughs> like, I was not expecting that. I... I came out with not expecting to be attacked like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was rough. It was brutal. Josh holds nothing back, apparently. And I guess we should mention this. Yeah, holds nothing back. Um, we are both Bills fans, I would say. Buffalo Bills fans and Buffalo sports fans in general. So that one was really like a knife to the heart. Yeah. Um, I had to like pause it to recover from it. <laughs> Go get a glass of water. Just... Yeah, yeah, just be like, oof. And also... It's like, similarly, there's this line in an episode of The X-Files, in the one where, like, it's the smoking man's backstory, and they're, like, showing, like, he did, like, the Kennedy assassination, he's, like, had all these moments in history, and they're they're sitting around this table, and they're asking who who he thinks that the Oscars, like, who should win the Oscars, and he's like, I don't care, but, like, the thing that I do want to make sure is that the Bills never win a Super Bowl. Like, as long as I'm alive, <gasps> they can't win. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's that's so, rough. I think about it a lot of the time. Yeah, it's... so a lot of Bills references in 90s stuff, because that's when the last time the Bills are relevant. It's fine. Yeah, well, it's you know, it happens. Also, though, like, this was 1995. <laughs> that feels very, like, it's too soon to be making those kinds of jokes about the Bills. <laughs> oh, God, Super Bowl run. and <laughs> But topical. Good topical humor. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Oh, so one of the chipmunks is from England. Like, there's just that random English yes. kid. And what were his parents well, that's like thinking? The joke of him. Yeah, he's just like, ha ha, <laughs> I'm English. You Americans have no sense of history. But, like, what parent in yeah. 1995 sends their English child to America to lose weight at some random fat camp in America? Like, that doesn't make any sense to um, me. Well,. The mom in the parent trap sends her British daughter to summer camp. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was weird in that too. To her long lost twin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess there is a precedent set. Another great summer camp movie. For, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it was happening. I feel like they, there aren't as many like camp movies that come out anymore these days. Like I was thinking about the parent trap when I was watching this. I was thinking about Troop Beverly Hills a lot when I was watching this. Yeah. Um, which we should probably talk about on another episode. Definitely. Like, to um, be discussed. Even recess school's out. Like, there's a lot of them that all came out in, like, the 90s, but I can't think of one in the last, like, 
10 years. I mean, we're just not, like, aware of it, but but those are, like, theatrical releases, you know? And I feel like there aren't kids' movies that are, like, all about, you know, going to camp for the summer to do shenanigans and to, like, beat the adults. Like, those don't exist anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's definitely this very unique phenomenon of, yeah, kids' movies that are just all about, like, destroying the adults. And I feel like now the kids' movies that come out are all either, like, they're Disney, Pixar, they're animated, and they're much more just, like, family movies, like, family-oriented, the beauty of family, and all this stuff. And it's it's not, like, as openly antagonistic as it was in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, like, four adults too like there's humor in it for adults so they're trying to like get everyone but i feel like these movies were like oh no this is a this is very much a kids kid movie like only kids will enjoy this well i mean we're adults now we enjoyed it but yeah definitely. and it's very like i feel like the adults seem so much older like they seem so much more like adult kid and now i don't know i feel like it's like everyone's like oh my parents are cool and blah 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 and it's less like <laughs> these are the old dinosaurs yeah make me follow the rules make me go to fat camp you know yeah you know a bygone era if you will (laughs) i will i definitely will um also i know we talked about ben slayer a little bit but i just want to keep talking about him because he is the queer star of the movie like his commitment and like his physical physical comedy in this movie is so good and i wish that he would just go back to doing these like really weird character like full movies (laughs) As opposed to doing his, like, weird indie, like, rom-coms and yeah. or Night at the Museum because he's just so talented and so, like, you can see it in his face and in his eyes. Like, he's so crazy and he can go so, so crazy and so wild. So we, I want more of that. <laughs> yeah, and what's really crazy about this is that Ben Stiller pretty much refuses to acknowledge this film in part of his filmography like he he does not ever bring it up he doesn't talk about it and it's it's so weird because it's really it's not that far of a departure from some of the other roles that he's done in the past like dodgeball obviously but you know this is not an unfamiliar character for him so i don't know why it would be something that he'd be so embarrassed about that he can't he can't even mention it and I was looking right, at his... and, like, Judd Apatow co-wrote this movie. Like, yeah. Like, that's, that's dope. Like, this is a cool, like, early, you see, like, the beginning of, like, both of their kind of, like, styles of comedy. So yeah. why not talk about it? It's cool. Yeah, and I was looking at his filmography to kind of get a sense if maybe... Because originally I was thinking, like, oh, if this came out right after Reality Bites and then he did another serious movie after this, maybe he, like, doesn't want to acknowledge it because in that moment in time he was trying to do a serious film career type thing, um, then that's... Like, for adults. Yeah, but the next film he did after this was The Cable Guy, so it's not really... I don't know if that's that's relevant. This movie does not pass the Bechtel test. No, it does not. <laughs> um... <laughs> There are, there is one female, well, there's, I guess there are girls in the movie, but there's, like, there are, like, three female characters that speak, I guess. It's, like, the nurse, um, the mom, and, like, Mrs., Mrs. Bushkin. Well, and there's all the little girls at the, in the dance scene, but they only talk about the boys and throwing up. Because haha bulimia, like yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I wrote that down. Haha bulimia. Yeah. 
that down too. I was like, oh, there's a bulimia joke in this children's movie? <laughs> yeah, and it's not like it's one oh, of their boy. older sisters who they're making a joke about. Like, it is a legit, like, 12-year-old girl who her friends are being like, yeah. haha, you're just gonna throw up all your food after you eat it. <laughs> Yeah, classic. Yeah. Hilarious. Oh, and there was also an electric chair joke, like, later, like, when they were talking about kidnapping, um, Tony, I think Paul V is like, you can get the chair for this. Yeah, yeah, he definitely Whoa. does. It's, it's Easy. intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually, when I was watching this again, apparently this movie was originally written to be a lot darker and more adult than it is. And then Disney threw a fit. And they were like, no. Because there's actually, like, there's a DVD version of this that's got, like, 30 minutes of extra footage. And there's, like, a post-coital scene with Pat and Julie the nurse. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he's like, oh, so this is what sex is like? And you're just like, wait, no, but this is for 10-year-olds. Yeah, it's, it's. Yeah, so that scene exists, and I think there was it was supposed to be a lot more violent with um, Tony and then Jeffrey Tambor at the end when they get into their little scuffle. Like it, I think Tony has like a bow and arrow or something. Um, but yeah, oh I'm God. I'm interested. I'm really interested to see that cut of the movie because I feel like yeah, a lot of the humor too. in it was meant to be more of a darker film, but then they kind of made it kid friendly. Yeah. So. Much like Rogue One, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Rogue One, there's a much darker cut as well, but because it's Disney, here we go again. Here we are. Yep. All roads lead back to Rogue One. 20 years later. (laughs) (laughs) I thought this movie ended, like, twice. Like, I feel like there are two different endings. Like, there's the end where they, like, Tony gets arrested or whatever, his dad, who's also the Ben Stiller, which is great, which I love in, like, any movie. And Um, his dad is actually in the movie. So, So, like, so his actual real dad is in the movie, but instead of using him, they just decide to age up Ben Stiller and play his own father. (laughs) Which is, like, so, it's, like, a bad aging job. Like, you know, it's, like, I feel like even as a kid, I would have known that was Ben Stiller. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's not like in Austin Powers where you, like, it blew my mind when my dad told me that Dr. Evil and Austin Powers were the same actor. Like, yeah. I could not process that. Yeah. But this was a bad example of that. <laughs> it's very, like, I can speak for myself as a seven-year-old who had watched this, you know, at the time. Um, I was not fooled by Ben Stiller <laughs> as his father. So. But it felt like it ended when Tony, like, got taken away or whatever. And then it, it ended again when they had to have their, like, Apache race with the MVPs, the classic underdog, two troops versus each other, uh, also seen in True Beverly Hills, and also Cheap Ride the Dozen 2, <laughs> that reference in. <laughs> Gotta do it. Where I thought it was gonna be over, but then they're like, oh no, we have to do the race, like, cause they go back to camp for like a month, like, I don't, like, I feel like the time in this movie is also weirdly spaced out. I don't really understand how much time has fully passed from beginning to end. (laughs) Well, it's crazy that you bring that up because in my head, I legitimately have the timeline laid out differently. Like, in my head, that scene where Tony is taken away, that's the end of the movie. Like, roll credits. And you're right. There is, like, this whole half an hour of the film after they beat Tony, and they're like, oh yeah, there's this other thing that we need to do. Yeah. Agreed. Like, I 
didn't get that. I was like, oh, okay, well, they solved, like, the main conflict of the movie. We didn't really get any, like, there's that one scene where they play, like, baseball or whatever with the other camp. camp MVP. But it's not really, like, brought, <laughs> yeah, camp MVP. It's not really, like, brought up again. No. Like, it's kind of just, like, tossed. Like, I thought it was just, I didn't think it was going to be, like, another thread that was going to connect for the movie. But then they're like, oh, yeah, we forgot. We have to, we have to beat them. To do, and that's where the English kid uses his knowledge of like art history. <laughs> yeah, and and his knowledge of American vice presidents. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Which why would he know that? Because it doesn't make sense. They British people are taught everything in school apparently, and we are taught nothing. I guess. Um, also, I was I was thinking about camp MVP, and then also the girls' camp, and I was sort of they make it seem like these camps are all on the same lake. Because the kids from Camp MVP yeah, come over, like, from lake? across the lake and, like, to go to just mess with the kids at Camp Hope. And, yeah, first of all, like, how big is this lake? Second of all, it seems like a cruel thing to do to put a fat camp right next to a camp for, like, physically, athletically gifted children. Like, that just <laughs> seems asking for trouble. Yeah, and the poor girls who have to just, just choose between, middle. like, these crazy a-hole campers from camp mvp or like i mean the ki- the fat camp kids with the heart of gold yeah and oh. um and that that dance scene is like pretty hilarious first just because of tim and his outrageous dance moves <laughs> but then like the girls get into yeah. it and Sol- salami sam actually is like making out with a girl on the dance floor and you're just like okay first of all this dancing has happened for 15 seconds um, he must be the smoothest 11-year-old <laughs> in history. But I love it. This movie has everything. Awkward dance scenes, montages, inspirational speeches. Yeah, it really um, does. A, like, relay race with weird obstacles. Like, weirdly specific. Like, why would there even be a, like, U.S. history portion of a camp relay race? Because they have to somehow make it fair for the the fat kids um i don't know yeah and then they're they're like shaving the balloon yeah yeah like i've never heard of that it's just so josh has something to do and obviously josh would be able to uh to shave a balloon and it's hilarious how clumsily it's hilarious how clumsily the movie tries to foreshadow that by having him shaving in, like, in the, um, cabin, and Jerry comes up to him and he's been like, how yeah. long have you been shaving? And he's like, oh, a couple years now. And it's, like, foreshadowing. Yeah, well, we're gonna have to come back to that later. <laughs> There's also a lot of body humor in this movie, which, like, I guess it's a kid's movie, so yeah. hilarious. Yeah, definitely. Except it's, like, it's, like, kind of graphic at times, like, when they were on the hike and, like, Tony was showing them how to do this sit-up and then, like, Josh, like, farts in his face but, like, pulls his pants down. Like, all the way like, down. Yeah. All the way down. Like, <laughs> what is happening? Uh, also, I'm thinking about the counselors and, and also Nurse Julie. And I feel like they were incredibly inept, not only as counselors, but also just as adult humans. Because... They, there's this, after Tony has canceled all of the kids' meals due to lack of hustle and taken them on a 20-mile hike up the side of a mountain, they're sitting around camping like, 
I don't know what to do about this. I called my lawyer friend. I called my, my friend who's a social worker. Meh. And it's like, okay, call the police. Like, this guy has yeah. told them all that they're going to have to lay on a bed of nails and have a block of ice broken on top of them. Like, just call the police and have yeah. them come there and deal with it. Have, like, one of you go on the hike with them, which turned into an indefinite hike. Yeah. <laughs> Until they lost weight. And then the other two of you, like, go get someone else. Don't be like, oh, well, we tried what we could. Like, looks like these kids are going to get murdered. Like, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but they, I feel like that's very much like they are on team kids, and the movie had to like give the kids the power to save the day, not the adults, since that's so anti-adult. Yeah. Oh, you know who we haven't talked um, at all also, about? We haven't talked about Lars at all. That's literally what I was gonna say. <laughs> Probably the second best character in the movie. Definitely. Like he is a cross between um, Ivan Drago from Rocky Four and I don't know, like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, he's he's bizarre. Like it is a cartoonish performance. Oh it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, well, it's just like the different little character touches that they've given him, like his deviated septum that he feels the need to tell all the children about, and he's like, "Don't be alarmed, I'm fine." <laughs> yeah, he's great. And then when he tries to ask Julie out, and she's like, "No thanks," which is another example of like Kevin James. Uh, uh, Kevin James disease, I guess this movie has. If yes. You, if you call it that. Yeah, I where, would. Like a like pretty girl ends up with a average to larger than average, like objectively unattractive man. <laughs> yeah, and and not the kind of person who's like, yeah, maybe they're they're not that attractive, but they've got a great personality. Like Pat does not have a personality. He's he's nice. He's kind of nice. That's it. That's all he has. Literally. Yeah, he's nice and he, like, loves this camp. And that's, like, that's it. And that's more sad than anything. Like, he loves this camp. Like, even <laughs> Tony Perkis's father is just like, what the hell have you been doing with yourself? Like, you've just been coming to this camp yeah. working three months out of the year for your entire adult life. Yeah, what does he do for the rest of the year? Like, know. we don't ever get that. Like, what's gonna happen when they leave camp? He just stays there. He does not. What's gonna happen when Julie leaves camp? Like, are they, like, what? what is the progression of that relationship? Like... <laughs> Yeah, and what is her job? Is she, like, a school nurse, maybe, during the school year? And then she comes... I don't know. A lot of unanswered questions. I don't know. And what is what happens to sweet poor Lars? So they tie... Wait, they tie him to a tree and then pour honey on his chest to, like, lure a bear. Like, <laughs> they also, like, rip open his shirt to do this. And I'm like, what? It's intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, these kids wanted to be hurt. <laughs> yeah, and and then they all, like, they're walking away, and somebody, I think it's, is it Pat who says, there's not really any, there's not really any bears in these woods, are there? And then Roy, Keenan yeah, Thompson, yeah. says, no. And first of all, why does the camp counselor not know whether or not there are bears, but you trust the 11-year-old who's been there, like, once before <laughs> when he says, no, there's right. no bears? I don't get it. Uh, but there are deer. There are deer. Scary deer. Terrifying deer. Very scary. Yeah. Looked, I mean, but anything will, like, I'm not, I, I feel like the deer would be secondary concern, like, bugs would be a bigger concern. Yeah. In the woods. Definitely. Honey, like, 
really uncomfortable. Again, another piece of evidence to indicate that they, all the children are, like, sociopaths. Yeah. <laughs> Who all understand cruel and unusual punishment <laughs> to an alarming degree. Yeah, they slide into that role of being, like, you know, having prisoners and, like, standing guard over the prison cell. Like, they slide yeah. into that, that role really <laughs> alarmingly well and quickly. It's true. Well, at least they learned one thing at this camp besides yeah. having fun and how to hoard snacks. Oh, <laughs> my God. Which is also another life skill. Oh, it's, yeah, it's key. Hollowing out, like, the bed frame so that you can yeah. just hide. taping stuff to your stomach. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> And then that poor English kid who just yeah. had it on him for an entire cross-Atlantic yeah, flight. And then the kid, like, licks it? Oh my god. Yeah. So gross. I was like, ugh. Quality. Definitely. Yeah. They're... I think we covered it. Oh, the soundtrack is really good. Oh, I yeah. I was jamming to the soundtrack. The, the opening song, I'm like, oh yeah, we're in the 90s, this is a school movie, like, okay, I am here for it. Yeah, I feel like yeah. we covered most of the, so what were your overall impressions, having not really watched this a lot as a, as a child? What did you come away from this with? Um, well, I did laugh out loud a few times, so I was like, oh, this is, this is a funny movie. Um, I think I would have liked it more as a kid, though. I feel like I would have, like, identified with the characters a little bit more being younger, and I feel like I would have found this funnier, but I enjoyed it overall, and I feel like, I don't know. It, it, it falls in the same vein, I think, of, like, Mighty Ducks and Recess Schools Out and Parent <laughs> Trap and, like, these only, like, four kids movies that, like, are just very comforting to watch, very soothing. Yeah, I wish I would have been able to quote it more, even though I felt like I could quote it from hearing you guys quote it so yeah. often. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah, overall, this was a pleasant experience. Um, how? When was the last time you had watched it that you remember? Um, honestly, I think the last time I watched it, I bought the, the DVD for my mother um, probably seven years ago, somewhere around there. So I have not seen this movie in a long time. Um, my mother yeah. loves this movie, by the way, which sort of is, you know, throws a, a wrench in the whole um, watching it during your, your peak it's childhood years because my mom thinks it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think also maybe watching it with a kid makes it funnier because you're already in that silly frame of mind. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely a movie that works better if you are a small child, but there are still some, like, just really funny out there lines that you're not expecting for a kid's movie and just the whole tone of it I think is really interesting because it switches from these like feel-good Disney movies to really really dark themes and just maybe maybe age inappropriate things that are happening in the movie yeah it's a lot of fun but this feels more age appropriate than I feel like several of the movies that I saw as a kid. I asked my mom this the other day because um, a couple of my, like, nephews are over and we're trying to pick a movie to watch. And I was like, Mom, when did you let me see uh, Temple of Doom? And she was like, well, it would have had to have been in our house in Virginia. So we moved away from Virginia when I was, like, eight. So it would have been, like, before I was eight. Like, I think I was probably, like, six when I saw it. Like, and that is a terrifying movie with violence, child slavery, like, racial stereotypes. I'd say that is a lot more inappropriate than this movie, which is just, like, fart jokes and, like, candy. Yeah. Well... And 
psychological torture. I mean, yeah, whatever. kid stuff, you know. Um, yeah, I don't think you yeah, can yeah. really hold your childhood up as the, the gold standard of, like, when kids <laughs> should be allowed to watch certain movies, because the thing was is that we were older than you, so we just showed you whatever movies were, were age-appropriate for us, so that's... Right, right, so I was, like, aged up a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, we were like, Happy Gilmore seems fine um, to this Austin four-year-old. Powers, totally good. <laughs> Yeah. Austin Powers is good. You have to leave the room for like two scenes. Because <laughs> yeah. there's only two scenes that are not appropriate for a small child in Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which we would inevitably end up seeing anyway or hearing. Yeah. Because like, well, we're going to go into the kitchen at Grandpa's or in like the dining room. Like the TV is right there. So we were not like shielded from that. No, that was half-hearted censorship. So this is good. So, this was an, a good inaugural movie to watch. Well, inaugural, quote-unquote. Yeah. So we did actually record an episode that was all about Rogue One, a movie that um, we were both uh, interested in discussing, and we had a lot of thoughts about. Yeah, to put it lightly. Yeah. Um, we're, <laughs> like, I guess we like Star it. Wars, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not one of those people that just thinks about it all the time and thinks lots of their plot <laughs> points and follows all the actors on all their social media. No. I wouldn't do that. Wait, Definitely oh, speaking not. of this, side tangent. Um, have you seen that video that's going around of Diego Luna talking about how he, like, wants to touch Jabba? <laughs> no, but I want to. Like, he has done, he's done, like, multiple interviews and people are like, what character would you want to, like, work with? And he's like, Jabba. Like, Jabba's such an interesting character. Like, he seems like he has a really weird texture. Like, I want to touch him. He loves Jabba the Hutt. And he Instagrammed on New Year's Eve, like, a collage of, like, fan art of him with Jabba. Like, oh touching God. Jabba. <laughs> That's amazing. Incredible. Oh my god. Okay, I'll send it to you after we're done recording. Okay. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my god. I love Diego Luna. Oh, he's a he's a he's a blessing on this earth. Yeah. Okay. God bless Diego Luna. <laughs> um, so anyway, God bless Ben Stiller. Please make more crazy comedies. Stop yeah. making your like everyday America man. Ah. Uh, yeah. Less Walter Mitty. More of Tony Perkins. <laughs> Although maybe he's like tired. Maybe he's just like getting tired. Yeah. Well, he just did Zoolander too, so I guess not that tired. Well, he was, like, it's actually crazy when you watch Heavyweights and see the level of just physical stuff that he's doing in that movie. Like, when he's, like, up on the, <laughs> the, the rafter, just, like, yeah. he can be, like, the Joker. He's up there and then just jumps down and yeah. all this crazy stuff. Like, I mean, I know he's not physically doing that, but it's, it's still, it's a lot. <laughs> Do we do we recommend this movie to our our viewers slash listeners? Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> I think you have to go into it like an open mind. Yeah, but yes, I think it's a good one. Yeah, I think uh, you know it. Maybe if you have it on in the background, on it's on Netflix, so it's a good like fall asleep movie. Like, yeah, the first couple times I tried to watch it, I fell asleep, but yeah. <laughs> I think it's just because it felt very comforting. Alright, um... It has a happy ending, spoiler alert. Yeah, nobody dies. I think that's, that's, that's heavyweights, in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) That is heavyweights. Not a heavy movie? There are actually no... Are there weights in it at all? I don't believe they ever, they ever do weight lifting. No one does lifting, so it's a misnomer. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's false advertising. They should have called it heavy weightless. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Okay. <laughs> so that's the note, note we're gonna we're gonna close on, I guess. <laughs> I guess let's just keep our fingers crossed that no one else important celebrities die in between now and the next podcast recording because I can't take any more of that. Yeah, because it was a lot of a long stretch of people who died in between our last recording and now. So um I stay alive everyone. Stay alive Harrison Ford specifically. Yeah. And Mark Hamill, you too. Keep fighting the good fight. Well yeah. Um <laughs> Well, I just... He wrote a really nice column about Carrie Fisher today. Did he? Or maybe it was yesterday. It was in, like, the Hollywood Reporter or Variety or something, and I, like, teared up reading it, so it's fine. Oh. Well, I'm just thinking of when we did talk about Rogue One, and we were complaining about Tarkin and his CGI-ness, and we were like, it's because he's... Yeah. Um, We were upset because Tarkin was CGI'd because he's, like, the actor. Peter Cushing has been dead for quite some time, and he did not you know, give consent to do that, and then we were talking about Carrie Fisher, and we were just like, oh, but it's okay for her, because she's alive to give consent, and I'm and sorry. she'll make a joke about it, and it's great. Uh, so, I'm sorry we said that, Carrie Fisher. I really didn't want to end this podcast on a bummer, but, um, we love you, Carrie Fisher. Oh, boy. We love you. We miss you. Um, miss you a lot. Uh, I think my friends and I are gonna start a Carrie Fisher book club this this new year. And just I, read all of her books. I support that. So if you wanna if you wanna join that, get on the get on the Carrie Fisher train. Okay. Um, yeah. Everyone's asking me. They're like, oh, well, what, what about episode nine? What about episode nine? And I'm like, I feel like okay, this is gonna be morbid, but I feel like they must have some sort of like contingency plan for the the olds. And by that I mean Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, because Harrison Ford's already... Oh. Spoiler alert, Kylo Ren killed Han Solo. <gasps> Kylo Ren is Han Solo's son! <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like we're probably never going to avoid talking about Star Wars on this podcast. Like, I on think... any po- on every podcast. Oh, yeah. It's gonna come up. <laughs> <laughs> you can just have a separate section at the end that's, like, yeah. things that are happening in Star Wars. Yeah, just, like... Star Wars thoughts that we need to touch on. Yeah. Uh, I watched another video yesterday. I kind of went on, like, a YouTube spiral of watching interviews of, like, Mads Mikkelsen and Ben Mendelsohn because, like, they were, like, paired together on the press junket or whatever. Okay. They love each other. They're both so funny together. Like, I feel like they're always kind of touching each other in some way. <laughs> they talking about each other. Uh, it's adorable. Aww. So I highly recommend those videos. They, they brought me joy. I will definitely watch um, them. More Mads Mikkelsen in 2017. We get episode 8 this year. Yeah, we do. Um, in, like, 11 and a half months. That's, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. In 11 and a half months, we're going to know what is happening next. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll know what's happening in the middle of the story. Note, on that note, I think me and my friend Meg are going to do an Adam Driver double feature, and we're going to see Silence followed by Patterson. <laughs> Yes, you absolutely Which is should. Be a, a wild day. <laughs> that's that's a lot of ups and downs, um, twists and turns. Um, yeah, I feel like it's gonna start on the down though, because I feel like silence is gonna be like just a really a huge downer. Oh yeah. And then Patterson will be like a little bit, a little bit uplifting. <laughs> yeah, and you'll have Qui Gon in uh, in silence, so that'll yeah, be nice. Qui Gon and Kylo Ren and and Spider Man reunion tying it all together. Yeah, not really my Spider-Man, though. I like Toby better, kind of. All right, well, um, on that note... Separate, 
Different conversation. Disagree. Oh, I'm a huge fan of the High Castle, also. Yes. <laughs> so good. Uh, well, I there's just a lot that I don't understand still, but and a lot of motivations which I question a lot. But I wish there was more of it because I got really invested in it and I hated myself for it. Yeah. Man, the High Castle on Amazon, everybody. Yeah. Watch it, but maybe don't do what I did and watch all of it in two days, because then you're going to have to wait a really oh long time. <laughs> yeah. I watched it over, like, a couple months, and that was good, but I was waiting on the last episode for a while, because I just, like, didn't want it to be over. Yeah, no. So, I watched it literally this weekend. what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, like, a little weird to watch it now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like, cool, I'm going to start taking notes. Um on things that yeah, I should like, do. Yeah, like, how do we prepare for this? Oh. Okay, alright. That's, we're gonna... <laughs> okay, on that note. <laughs> oh, we went back down. We were up for a little bit, we went, we went back down. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Oh, boy. Okay. okay. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we're very excited about the next movie that we're going to be watching, which is another classic from... Movie or movies. Mo- yeah, yeah, movie series, I guess you would say. Um, it's from the same period. Maybe the most iconic sports trilogy of all time. Yep. One could say. Yeah, one, one could say that. Um, a trilogy of movies that helped me get through the NHL lockout of 2004-2005. So, near and dear place in my heart. Yeah. Uh, the Mighty Ducks. We're doing The Mighty Ducks. Yeah, that's... Ducks yep. fly together. Um, it's... Yeah, it, I, like I feel like I'm gonna like doing a movie that I remember seeing, because I'm just gonna be getting to the parts and, like, getting really hype. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mighty Ducks like is a, This is, like, almost like a, like a first viewing for me on Heavyweights, because yeah. I don't really remember it. And I didn't realize that. Even though that. I have seen it, like... Yeah, I didn't realize that when I first said, like, let's do Heavyweights. I did not realize that you had, hadn't really seen the movie before. <laughs> Um, I was picturing my childhood. Yeah, I remember I'd seen it, but I probably didn't, I didn't process it in my small child brain. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to give it a shot, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, definitely worth a viewing. So, so Mighty Ducks will be fun, that'll be the next one we're doing, and, uh, in sort of that strange 90s vein where, like you were saying earlier, hockey was a thing that people talked about and watched movies about. Yeah. For children, so. And became a franchise from this movie. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot to talk about now there. Now they're the Anaheim Ducks, so it should be good. It'll yeah. be it'll be a good, good pod. So stay tuned for that. Come back All next right, time so for the Mighty Ducks. Our next quack, quack, <laughs> quack. quack.